greetings and welcome once again to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy. I'm Joe Stapleton. Him, him over there. That's my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy Stars Aversary Part 2. The question is, will this be like Godfather Part 2? As good as Part 1? Arguably even better. Or like Superman 2? Good in parts, but doesn't really hold up to the first one. Or it could be like both of them next week in Part 3 and be terrible. Oh, I'm trying to think of a good part three, and I am struggling. But yeah, Big 20 continues, Joey. Coming up on today's show, it's it's, it's like a Twitter thread, but a podcast. We're just continuing <laughs> on with last week's. Uh, the Big 20, it does continue. Uh, James, can we get an update on which of those cool bonus prizes have been claimed, like the, the watches and the yeah, cars yeah. and the... Absolutely, okay, we can good. do that. We can do Did that. Did anyone exercise the with Stapes option yet? You might be surprised to hear, no, they did not. <laughs> Today, we are turning back the clock again, but not quite as much this time. We're now into the second decade of Poker Stars, talking about a couple of cool TV shows, The Big Game and The Shark Cage. Uh, who better to talk sweet with us than everyone's favorite commentator and Shark Cage finalist, Maria Ho. I see Maria H. Ho here, but I do not think, I think that's a typo. And to balance to balance things out on the spicy side, we'll be talking to another Shark Cage finalist and big game regular, Antonio Esfandiari. That should be a fun one. Yeah, and as long as we're talking history, we're going to keep that trend going with superfan Andrew Tufalaro, who has challenged me to U.S. history and James I am so tempted to call my shot here. I am pretty good at U.S. history. Unless this guy is an actual expert, I am going to bet on me on this one. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't suggest the subject unless you were, right? Right. I don't know. Unless this person is like a really big super fan who just wants to give me a gimme, but I don't think that's going to happen. That would be sweet. also, unless Patrick didn't get every fucking answer from the first three <laughs> paragraphs of the Wikipedia page for U.S. history, maybe I got a shot. Oh, I'm sure he hasn't done that. So I was thinking, James, since Maria is like kind of more than a guest at this point, right? She's yeah. like she's like a supporting character. She's not like a guest star. Uh, is it cool if she joins us here at the top of the show for like the movie TV talk? Yeah. Do you know what, Joe? I will allow it. Um, let's press this button and welcome to the podcast, Maria Ho. Hi. Hi, Maria. Uh, I'm sorry, Maria, you don't get a formal introduction because you're practically part of the family. But because we are going down memory lane, because we're doing the whole kind of like yesteryear thing on these big 20 episodes, we are going to get a brief version of your origin story a bit later on. Okay, I can. I think I can remember. <laughs> we're we're going to start with the present right now, though. Quick little update. Are you celebrating and or licking your wounds from World Series of Poker? You know, I think for the vast majority of people who go to the World Series of Poker, they're licking their wounds when they get back. So I would put myself in that camp. I mean, it's kind of a story of it could always be better, but it could always be worse, right? So that's where I'm at. Looking at it beyond the financial element, which I appreciate is not insignificant, but you know, we caught up with Griffin on Monday night. He went into town just for the main event. Overall, how did you feel about it? Because I know that you, like Griffin, had some trepidation about going and playing live events again and being in Vegas amongst hundreds, if not thousands of people again. Were you generally happy? Did you feel comfortable? Yeah, to be honest, I definitely didn't know what to expect. But I will say that one thing I was really dreading was a lot of awkward politicized conversations surrounding COVID and the vaccine mandate, but actually it never came up um, except for one time where, you know, Mike Mattisau was sat at the same table, but I think that is to be expected, but otherwise nobody ever really brought up that as a topic of conversation at the table. And also it would be like five or six people out of the nine or 10 players that would be masked up, which is something that was kind of a pleasant surprise to me because I just expected since there was a vaccine mandate and people aren't required to wear their masks at the table that people wouldn't. Um, But actually more than half pretty much in any tournament um, would be wearing their mask. And it just made me feel a little bit better because 
outside of COVID, you know, every year people are getting the Rio flu, right? There's definitely something that goes around the Rio. And, and so nobody really that I knew got sick, whether it be COVID or just like the regular cold or whatever. And I think that's partially due to masks and hopefully people's general sense of um, hygiene just improved. Um, so honestly, like it took me a week or two just to be used to so many people. But after that, I kind of felt comfortable, but, you know, towards the end, we were starting to get like a few outbreaks, a few cases. And then I stopped playing immediately after that. Um, look, let's, let's accentuate the positive. And I guess Joe, just one quick poker news headline before we start talking about movies and TV shows, because this is the poker news headline of the month, probably the last few months. We do have a World Series of Poker main event champion. It's a player who is known to us. We've seen him play online and we saw him make a deep run in the PCA main event in 2018 where he finished third. Corey Aldemir, originally from Germany, now living in Austria, the new main event champ. And from the little I saw, Maria, I didn't watch that much of the coverage. He seemed to play as good a game as he played during that PCA event we covered three years ago. And And everyone is saying the final hand may be one of the best in World Series of Poker history. Yeah, I mean, Korai played really well. He also ran really well. He was up against kind of an opponent in heads-up play that did a lot of unexpected things, wasn't necessarily like the typical opponent that Korai might be used to, especially since he plays in high rollers. Um, But yeah, that was a very, very interesting last hand. And it was kind of a David and Goliath story when it got heads up. So, you know, I think it was a really, really great all around main event, main event champ. And I thought Korai played exceptionally well. Is it tough being uh, one of the only people who actually knows how good Korai is and anything about him. Like it must be kind of frustrating uh, watching the broadcast when you're not on it and hearing, you know, some of the other people just sort of not really know what they're dealing with uh, when it comes to a player like him. Yeah, it's interesting. People kept touching on, you know, just the fact that his resume was better than pretty much everyone else, but nobody ever said anything about like, having any experience playing with him or seeing the way that he had played in other events or other finals like PCA. And I just found that really surprising because he's been around for a long time. And I think maybe because there are so many other well-known players to come out of Germany, maybe he was just someone that flew under the, the average person's radar, but obviously they had no idea what they were dealing with there. Yeah. I guess it's a bit like two years ago in Hussein Ensan one right on that side of the Atlantic probably an unknown quantity but to us someone who we've followed on the EPT for several years before his WSOP victory the night um, before the, the final table started uh, Fedor Holtz tweeted that he was looking to take action uh, Corai versus the field for 5k and I was like oh man like versus the field like how rare is it that the best player like actually wins with all the chip actually wins and I like just for a second daydreamed about it Not and then as I watched the field whittle down, I was like, oh, my God, I would have had the worst, <laughs> the worst fucking sweat of all time and then eventually lost. So even in my fantasies, I can't win bets. Maria, in between playing and working in Vegas, have you had the chance to watch anything? Because this is where we talk about the movies and TV shows that we've been consuming in recent days. I had a little time, you know, to dabble in just the like late night kind of where I don't have to focus my full attention on watching. I watched maybe two movies, one which I fell asleep um, during. So, you know, it was like a mix of like trying to get in a little bit of TV time as my way to unwind, but not really fully like can, mentally. Can I ask you a question about this, Maria? Now, this is something that my, my girlfriend does all the time. Uh, she'll, She'll say like, oh, I can't stay awake for a whole movie. But also when she's watching that movie, she's under a blanket, laying down three pillows under her in a sleeping position. When you fall asleep, are you like sitting in a chair watching it attentively or are you under a blanket with with like white noise on in the background? Well, I think my first question is, is like, who's choosing the movie? Because if you're choosing it, then clearly she's like setting herself up to fall asleep. <laughs> but if it's something that she wants to watch, then like she might be sitting up and really alert. For so me, you're saying, I'm like usually laying down. But So you're saying that you did not choose this movie you fell asleep during? 
No, actually <laughs> did choose it. And I also will say I chose it states because you kind of semi recommended it. Oh, it's um, Joe's fault. And, and it was like kind of good, but like not enough to keep my attention after playing for like 10 hours that day. You know? And what? Okay. Let's have the big reveal as to what movie you disrespected. Okay. Uh, Jungle Cruise. <laughs> I Fine. think it is perfectly acceptable to fall asleep <laughs> in Jungle Cruise. Um, but while we're talking about Disney movies, uh, I finally saw Shang-Chi Joe because that dropped on Disney Plus and Free Guy as well, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, um, I, I, I obviously I saw Shang-Chi a couple of weeks ago, liked it a lot. Free Guy, I really, really, really hated the premise. Um, uh, like the main premise uh, of the Ryan Reynolds character, like being sentient or whatever. Once I got past not liking the premise, I loved it. I thought it was really well done. It managed to have a heart somehow. I actually found the storyline of what was going on with the programmers more interesting uh, than what was going on with Guy. But by the end, I did care about all of it and actually was was really into the whole thing. Yeah, and on the subject of Ryan Reynolds, this is not a good movie, and I want to make that clear, but I really, really enjoyed it and would happily watch it again and hope they make a sequel. And that is Red Notice, which partners Ryan Reynolds with The Rock... And they throw Gal Gadot in there as well for good measure. But I have realized that Ryan Reynolds, he basically plays himself in every single movie. He is Ryan Reynolds in Red Notice. He is Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool. He is Ryan Reynolds in Free Guy. He's the same in every film. Yeah, but it's so good it doesn't matter. Like, I don't care. I I would definitely just go watch Ryan Reynolds and whatever. I also watched Red Notice. The only thing that bugged me about it, again, I agree it's not a great movie, but was definitely watchable. Red Notice should be called Green Screen. I don't think there's a single frame of that movie that (laughs) takes place without a green screen in it, including multiple scenes where I know the actors aren't even in the same room. Like, there's a whole lot going on there. They must have shot that movie in, like, six or seven days. Like, they should just call it, like, fucking Ryan Reynolds' Rock Payday movie. Um which, by the way, still quite watchable, but I, I did find the green screen really annoying. Right, right. Um, shall we deal with some Discord messages, Joe? Wait, Marid, what movie did you make it through real quick? Oh, yeah. You said you watched Shang two Chi. things. Uh, oh, you watched Shang-Chi. What did you think of Shang-Chi? I did. I thought it was really good, actually. I thought the best person and funniest part of the movie was that guy that was recording them when they had the fight on the bus. Yeah, the he YouTuber. was like the yes, he <laughs> it was really funny and yeah, it was some unexpected like laughs and then also just really good action. So into what it d- was how did how did it feel like watching Chinese stuff in a Marvel movie? Were you happy about that? Yeah, of course. Like I'm totally pro more representation all around. So obviously, being Asian an Asian American, I was like, okay, this is cool. And I want to support it. I thought that fucking dragon was kick ass. I love the dragon. Yes. (laughs) All right. Moving on. Maria, did you know that we have a discord for the poker in the ears podcast now? I do know that. So this is the section of the show where we normally react and reply to some of the messages from Discord. Do you? Can you just do that for us this week? I'm sure they'd much rather you reply to them than us. Well, they're not so much questions. I'm not sure there's much to react to because these messages are kind of reactions to last week's show, which, of course, was the first of our anniversary episodes. Uh, John Delano enjoyed it. He says the episode was a fun look into the birth of Pokestars, fit really well with the behind-the-scenes stuff that's become popular. Very interesting. Um and we asked the question for people to share their own memories, right? And when they first started playing on Stars or when they became aware of the poker world. And Kupo Kapopi, I don't think that's their real name, says, I've been playing on Stars since 2010, very occasionally, found out about the EPT in 2014 or 2015, watched many of your EPT shows, still have to make my debut at a live event myself. Having a partner who doesn't care about poker at all makes it a bit harder to plan holidays to EPT destinations. You say that, but many of the EPT destinations are also good holiday destinations. So, you know, I think you could probably just say, oh, Barcelona in late August. That'd be a fun weekend away, wouldn't it? 
Right, and then find something that your partner really likes to do that weekend and let them know at the very last second they're doing it alone. Uh, message of the week, possibly of the month, comes from a first-time Discorder called Hippie Gypsy Chic. Uh, I watched No Time to Die last night, and OMG, I loved it so much, and cried and cried. I have done that twice in this film. I'm still affected by it several hours later. This kind of happens from time to time when I see something exceptional, maybe once or twice a year. There was only one place to go after I woke up early this morning, and that was to listen to the end of episode 228, which I've had to pause a few weeks ago. It is listening to friends talk and helps. Awesome show as always. Thank you. Uh, More on Bond. For me, the length of the movie was no issue, just more time to indulge. Daniel Craig, best Bond ever. He is someone I've watched, liked, and admired for many years. I was so thrilled way back when he was announced. Rewatching of the whole reboot now inevitable. Casino Royale is why I fell in love with poker. Had no clue as to the game, but after watching the movie a few times, I became determined to understand the game. I didn't even know what blinds were. I'm very new to Discord, but have listened to the podcast for years. Love you guys. We... Love you too. Really quick, James, before we move on to the Big 20 Rewind, one last piece of movie and TV I got to talk to Maria about. Maria and her partner started watching Patriot, but I believe she abandoned it and he continued on and he texted me a lot with how amazing it was, but I need to know from Maria Ho what your plans are to catch catch (laughs) up on this and what the heck is wrong with you. Okay. I thought it was like brilliant and I can see why this is something that would be one of your favorites and a lot of people's favorites if they knew or had heard about the show to begin with. Um, Obviously it's like super under the radar. Right. But I think that like, there's just a little too much quirkiness. Like it's not a show I can binge watch. It's like a show that I feel like I have to really pay a lot of attention to. And I just don't have the bandwidth right now. You know, the holidays are coming up. Will I get back to it? Will I watch an occasional episode from time to time? Yes, but it's not something that I'm going to be able to get through in a week or two. We don't have enough time to discuss all my thoughts about that statement. So we're just going to move on. Yeah, because we have got the Big 20 Rewind running on stars at the moment. And Maria, I know you're going to join us for some of the streams we're doing of some of these events. Joe, you wanted to know which prizes have gone so far. Yeah. So the Slam Package went the first event, and that was the uh, the one we streamed, the commemorating the actual launch of stars in 2001. So that was the WCOOP and SCOOP ticket, plus EPT Package, plus Platinum Pass. Uh, the next day, or a couple of days after that, there was the Round the World Trip awarded. Uh, There was a trip to the Bahamas for the year that we celebrated the first ever PCA at Atlantis. The sports tickets and the streaming gear and the car were all given out on Monday night. That was the stream that we did this week with Griffin. And most recently, we commemorated 2009, the year of Scoop. And that meant there were three tiered buy-in events and there were three luxury watches awarded. Still more prizes to go. And we will continue covering selected Big 20 Rewind events over the coming 10 days. I wanted to focus very quickly on the Players Awards because this is another kind of thing connected to the Big 20 that's still ongoing. And I know we talked about this when it launched, when it started back in November. But bear in mind that there is now less than two weeks left to vote. And I think a lot of people have still got to make their way to the PokerStars blog and still need to cast their votes in the 10 categories. We need you to tell us what you think is the best bluff of all time, the best hero call, the best winning moment, the best WTF moment. Interestingly... Maria Ho, you are not nominated for an award, but you do feature in one of the hands as the opponent of the player who is actually nominated. Can you guess what it is? Oh, I don't know. I've played in so many throughout the years. It's hard to know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe a shark cage, perhaps. It is a shark cage. In the category, best hero fold, Ike Haxton is nominated for folding a full house to you on Shark Cage when you had a better full house. Uh, So you can vote for that one. You can vote for any of the others in that category. We will discuss the awards in more detail on Monday's stream with Maria. And also, rather excitingly, Maria, you're going to be part of the awards show that we're actually hosting. When we do the Big 20 finale, the $5 million 
guaranteed event at the end of our 20th anniversary celebrations. There'll be a pre-game. There's going to be an hour-long awards show where we'll announce the winners in all 10 categories. So Maria will be there for that and we'll get to discuss who won what. Um, let's turn back the clock then. Let's talk about the past. And the weird thing is, Maria, and I, don't, I, I think this is an interesting question to answer because, or at least ask, because all the times we've spoken... I don't think I've ever talked to you about where your poker journey started. I genuinely don't know the Maria Ho origin story. Really? No. I don't think I knew it until quarantine. And I asked you also, you know, we got to talking a lot more regularly. I don't, I don't think I knew, you know, I knew World Series of Poker, Last Woman Standing was like, you know, a benchmark uh, was, you know, a turning point. But before that, I didn't know much. You guys aren't my real friends. You guys know nothing about me. <laughs> I do now. <laughs> I mean, um, okay. Well, uh, let's see. Where do I start? I guess I, I've i heard about the game throughout the years, right? But it wasn't until I went to college my first year there that I had some guy friends that we would hang out on a regular basis, but for whatever reason, on Friday nights, they would always be doing something that I wasn't invited to. So obviously that uh, made me feel a little left out, but also piqued my interest because I'm like, okay, why is it that we can all go to the movies together or we yeah. can go to TGI Fridays together, but, uh, but not on Fridays, but I am not allowed or to, to be privy to the information and to know about what it is you guys are doing on Friday nights. I find out that they were having a little boys only poker night. Um, so I had no idea, you know, anything about hold them at the time, but I was like, I just want to go because they're not inviting me to come. So I showed up, I had like a free like keg of beer that I bought. Um, and who doesn't want free beer when they're a broke college kid. And so that was essentially my buy-in, my entrance fee into this casual dorm room home game. And I played for the first time and I don't think I like, I don't think I won. Like everybody has a story of like, Oh, I played for the first time and I won and I was hooked. Like I didn't win, but I didn't like, I wasn't the first to get eliminated either. Kind of like your world series so this year. That's right. <laughs> and so I was like really, really just like stoked and excited about the game and the strategy. And I thought it was so cool. And it was also kind of cool to feel like you were somewhere where you, you didn't really belong or people didn't expect to see you. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to come back. And luckily for me, they didn't, you know, change the locks. They didn't like d disinvite me, even though I invited myself, they allowed me to come back and show up week after week. And I was just extremely, extremely hooked on the game. And then where I went to college, it was, you know, a lot of Native American casinos around. So you were able to play legally 18 and over versus being 21 and over. So then we just started taking that game to the local card rooms. And pretty much that's all I would do in my free time. So if I wasn't in class, I would drive myself sometimes if nobody wanted to come with me to the local card room. And I would stay up all night playing one, two limit hold'em, trying to win back my $100. And then I would literally <laughs> sometimes, you know, without any sleep on an all nighter, go back to class. Um, you know, at 8 a.m. and then come back to the card room after. Oh, so. man. Wow. Yeah. Um, what was your kind of breakthrough moment as a poker player then? As far, I mean, I imagine that you're kind of working your way up the stakes as you get better and better at the game. At what point do you come onto the radar of, of the poker world, as it were? I think it definitely has to be 2007 World Series of Poker main event, my 38th place finish and, you know, my, my last woman standing. Um, at that point, I hadn't played that many tournaments and the main event was probably one of four or five tournaments the whole year that I was playing. And um, I didn't really have a, a bankroll for tournaments. I had a bankroll for cash games and like I would just dabble in the occasional tournament. Um, but after that, that obviously was like a huge infusion to my bankroll. And from there on, I was able to play a little bit more and tournaments at the time and still is kind of the only way that unknowns uh, find some notoriety or start getting recognized. So you need yeah. kind of a deep tournament run for people to start noticing you. 
So I was able to play a few more tournaments, luckily because of the money that I had won. And then I continued to, you know, have some deep runs, build some more success in the tournament world. Yeah. I remember first meeting you, and I doubt you remember it, um, in Dublin, where there was this bizarre event, which was called iSeries Live, which was this high stakes sit and go where people could like try and predict stuff like whether the flop was going to be red or black. They could like bet on the outcome or bet on certain actions while the game was going on. I totally remember that event. I don't remember that as the first time that we met. But are you surprised that that idea like didn't take off? I don't know about the execution, but like I think the idea is itself was like ahead of its time. I think the concept is quite interesting. I think the execution was problematic in terms of like the 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 immediacy of being able to try and bet on the action and for the software to process it and also kind of like pay out bets, etc. I think that was the problem. Is technology was a little bit behind the idea maybe it should be revisited i don't know i just remember i think devilfish was in the game and was being particularly obnoxious helmuth was in the game and was being particularly obnoxious i just don't have particularly fun memories of it <laughs> i mean all of that sounds like par for the course was that like did we have a drink together? Did we chat? I like, think much? we met was very, like very social? briefly. No, we didn't get to hang out properly. I don't think that happened until a couple of years later when you were kind of very much a mainstay of the EPT and obviously were then kind of taking part in some of the stuff we do like Shark Cage, which we'll talk about in a moment. But um, I, I think we should touch on the fact that, you know, you're just not just known in the poker world. How did you end up doing TV shows like Amazing Race? How did you end up on... on for want of a better word, mainstream TV. So the year that uh, I was on Amazing Race, the year before that, actually, Jean-Robert Ballon was on Survivor. And so I think that they kind of realized by JRB's performance on Survivor that poker players would be interesting on a reality show setting. Um, I mean, JRB himself didn't do that well in Survivor, but I think they understood that the way that we would think about any type of strategy or competition. Would it sounds be sexy too, a, right? Right. In the description. Like, for sure. And that we would be playing at kind of a higher level. Um, and so JRB actually approached me and he said, because at the time it was the same people that cast for Survivor that did the casting for Amazing Race. And he said they are really interested in having a female poker player on the Amazing Race. And I immediately thought of you and I think you would be great. Is there somebody you want to do the show with? Um, you would still have to go through the audition process, like, but you kind of have an in because you know 100% the casting director is going to see it. Um, and she'll even come to, to where you are in LA because that's where the casting office was to record the video. And then she still has to show it and present it to the network, obviously, and do all of that. But, you know, that's kind of the in. Yeah. So I, uh, of course, jumped on it because I grew up watching Amazing Race. And that was probably one of the only reality competition shows that I had ever even had a desire to go on. And um, I knew it would be really, really challenging. But I was just like, OK, sure. Like, if you think this, this sounds like a good idea, I, I'm going to at least give it a go. So, um, you know, luckily we, we made it on the show. Like there was actually a very, very tough and rigorous casting process. Um, and it took months before we even found out that we had made it. Um, we actually had to meet with Jerry Bruckheimer, um, who is, Whoa. you know, a, an executive producer of the show. Like he has to approve you. And then after he approves you, then you also have to get approved by the head of CBS which is the network that Amazing Race is on. And so Les Moonves had to approve us as well. So it was kind of like, it, it's not easy to get on the show. It's kind of surprising how many levels up you have to go for people to say, oh yeah, I think we are good enough to be on this show. Wow. Um, look, we'll talk about some of your other TV appearances and we'll talk about Shark Cage in a few moments, but I'm conscious of the fact that we need to bring our second guest into the conversation. He is a poker pro with two WPT titles and three World Series of Poker bracelets, the winner of the first ever $1 million big one for one drop. Plus, he appeared in pretty much every poker TV show and poker movie made during the boom years. Antonio, the magician Asfandiari, welcome to the podcast. 
Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. You guys must have gone down the list after you got like the first 300 most important people. You finally found me and now here we are. No, you were very much on our list. And apologies, by the way. Because I used to be going, somebody. Because we're going back in time, we're bringing back the nicknames. I'm assuming you don't use the magician anymore. I mean, I never used the magician personally. It was always <laughs> other people. Oh, hey, I'm the magician. How you doing today? Um, no, I think it's more of uh, when I was playing, people would refer to me as the magician. Yes. Um, sometimes it happens in poker rooms and whatnot, but it's not a daily usage. Hey, magician guy kind of thing. Was it the kind of thing where you liked having an identity or did you real like, and you're like, just as long as I have a nickname or did you ever like, kind of be like, ah, I wish I had someone had picked something else. No, I never really gave it much thought. It just kind of stuck. Cause I used to do magic for a living. And when Mike Sexton started commentating uh, on the WPT um, rest his soul, he used to always refer to me as the magician. And so that's just kind of how it stuck. But I've actually given almost all my friends and everybody in my life a nickname historically. And so it's funny that no one has ever really given me a nickname that stuck besides that in the poker universe. But like amongst my group of friends, no one has ever given me a nickname that has stuck. It's just so weird. It's because you're the ringleader, right? You can't uh, you, you, you can't give a, a nickname to the boss. Um, I don't know about that. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I'm just a simple man trying to make my way through the universe, Joe. I, I've always, I've never bought any of these lines from you, which I think makes them hilarious. Um, I what don't do you think mean? There's nothing to buy. It's just the truth. Okay, look, th this this entire episode's about rolling back the clock a little bit, the, the glory days of poker, if you will. And I don't think people realize just how in demand uh, both you individually and you and Phil Locke were uh, back during this time. And I was hoping you could shed some light on this because I got to tell you, I, I kind of dabble in and out of Hollywood. And I know at least 10 different people that have claimed to have had projects in development with you and or Phil Locke. How many TV shows, movies would you say you've had in development over the years? There, there have been many, many times when someone has come to me and said, hey, we got this great idea. And we're like, OK, sure, let's make a show. And we learned after so many pe different people's coming to us with ideas and pitches and whatnot, that nothing ever really actually gets done in show business. So we literally uh, shifted from, oh my gosh, this is great. This is exciting. Let's do it to you make the show happen. You tell me when to show up and I'll be there. And that's kind of how it eventually, what it eventually shifted to, because it was just a lot of nonsense. So there were a lot of pitches. There was a lot of ideas. There was only two or three that actually got made. The first one was I Bet You, and that was an idea. And then we obviously didn't give it much thought. Then one day we got a call to go to New York and film this random episode. We just walked around the street, did a little bit of filming. Didn't hear from them for eight, nine months. All of a sudden they call us and say, hey, we want to do a show for the Mojo Network. 12 episodes, blah, blah. And we're like, sure, tell us where to be. We'll be there. Next thing you know, we had I Bet You. Then there was the other one, which um, was the show on ESPN with me and Phil, like playing in backroom poker rooms and whatnot. It only had one episode because it was pretty bad and it never got picked up. Those are really the only two shows that were actually made by people saying, hey, let's make a show. Was so there somebody ever, told you they're making a show with me. They're probably full of crap. Was there ever one that got pitched to you that you were really excited about that ended up not getting that far along? Like, which one are you most disappointed didn't materialize? Um, there was there were a few throughout the years. Um, was there ever there a was, sitcom? No, never really a sitcom. It was always us or me playing myself or something to do with real life gambling, whatnot kind of a thing. Uh, do you remember? I, go ahead. Do you remember the show that we did together and how amazing that was? Oh, you were. I, I thought you should have won a, uh, an Academy Award for your acting skills, Joe. <laughs> for acting like I didn't want to walk off set every every thirty <laughs> yeah. seconds. You crushed it. I don't know if you guys ever saw the clip, but Antonio uh, literally almost puked on our show, and uh, it it didn't even make it past her. By the way, Maria was also a host of that show. Uh, the three yeah. of us. We're, we're all involved in that uh, train wreck of a show that didn't, I don't think even the third episode aired. So good job, us. Maria, you have that look on your face that says, I didn't know you were going to bring that up. 
<laughs> I mean, we're not even referring to it by name. That's apparently. I how don't remember what it was called. I believe <laughs> it was, it was called, called the, the final, final table. table. Okay. <laughs> it was but the final really episode. Bad. For anyone who wants to search for it. Um, The weird thing is, I I mean, I joke, Antonio, about you being in every poker movie during the boom years, but you are. And occasionally, Joe and I will go back and look at some of the films that were made during that era, like Lucky You, Deal. And it's like, you know, at what point, at what time code is Antonio going to make his obligatory appearance, either playing himself or playing like an Antonio Sfendiari type character? I mean, congratulations for making sure you got into every single one of those films. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I, I just answered the phone. It's not like I knew the <laughs> producers of the show. You know, they call. I say what time I go. But those were such. You can't even. You know what? Honestly, you can't even say I was in a movie. I mean, I literally like in one, in some of the movies, like my head or my face was just like in a shot. I it was rare that I had a, a line. Um, so I wouldn't say I was really in the movie. But sure, if you want to give me that credit, I'll take it. We'll give when will you credit. see a show with with me? Um, I don't know. I don't know. The, you know, when the Hollywood guys call and want to make a movie, I'm in. Do you think you would be more open to, you know, you went through the whole process before people being full of shit and being like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. Do you think now if you got some of those offers again, you'd be like, yeah, OK, like it's been a while since I've been led down the primrose path. Would you no, be more into it? I have the same stance. You, you when you write me the check or tell me where to be for sure, I'm not I'm not really any time I take away from my kids to pursue something that is one in 5,000, I think, to make a show happen, probably, I'm not really interested. However, I am interested in doing the work, but someone has to do the work and just tell me where yeah. to be. Right. Fair enough. Um, now, what we're talking about over the over these few weeks, Antonio, is we're looking back at 20 years of Stars history, and we're looking back at some of the big TV shows that ran during that era. And there was none bigger than the big game. The clue is in the title. You were a regular on that show, and that's more than a decade ago now. 2010, I think that show launched. So it may even have filmed in late 2009. Yeah. What are your memories of playing in that game? Because I imagine if you were also at the time doing high stakes poker, poker after dark, did they ever blur into one or were there standout moments from each individual series that you appeared on? I don't really remember. I, you know, the ones that the the one that really I remember the most was the high stakes poker, obviously, because yeah. it was so new and it was like all the cash on the table. Um, I remember playing in a ton of other big cash games on TV, but I don't remember specifically which one was which because it was so long ago. Um, you know, once you hit forty, you don't really remember anything from your thirties or your twenties. Especially back in two thousand and nine, I was kind of a going out animal back then. Um, yeah. But I do remember playing in the big game. I don't specifically remember any um, hands or whatnot. I'm sure if you told me about it, it would come back well, to me. I'll, I'll defer to Joe in a moment because he knows the big game much better than I do. I, off the top of my head, can't think of any hands that you specifically played. But you witnessed one of the biggest hands in big game history, which was Vanessa Selps. And I'm going to use the word in inverted commas because it's slightly unfair. Vanessa's punt with Jack Seven against oh, Pallad Freeman. Pallad. Pallad was yeah. on the bus. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I and remember thinking, whoa. There is, there is a great moment after the hand, after the board runs out three times, all bricks, and Pallad scoops the pot. And Vanessa turns to you and went, why do I do this to myself? And you say with all sincerity, I have no idea why you did that. <laughs> <laughs> well... I understand now and then why she actually did it because he could only have aces in that spot. And it's like one of those spots where you're on TV and sometimes people want to be a hero. And Vanessa just was like, okay, well, if you have aces one in 220 times, great. If not, I'll be a hero. And it kind of backfired. It happens. Happens to the best of us. I remember doing the commentary on that and trying to make the justification for her with the Jack seven and my boss stopping me and going, no, just just live out this moment the way everyone else is going to see it as. What is she doing? And I was like, well, actually, there is kind of an argument and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, none of that. We're just reveling the fact that there's like a $500,000 pot right now, Jack 7 versus Aces. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. I think Antonio might be the worst person in the world to make that statement to on the way away from the table, by the way. He's not going to sugarcoat it. <laughs> He's, he's, he's not going to, he does not care about your feelings in that moment. He's just going to go. Right, but yeah. think about, 
think about all the time she got paid off moving forward in her career because of that hand. I mean, there's some value in punting on TV, especially in that moment. People are way less likely to bluff you in the future. And when you actually make a hand, you're more likely to get paid. So yeah, it was obviously a big punt, but there is some value in it long-term. Did you ever do things differently on TV during that era in the hopes of it paying off for you later in non-TV situations? I I think everybody plays different on TV. Nobody wants to be bluffed on television. And so, and everybody wants to be a hero. So I think it just changes the overall game to many different levels. I know that I probably played a lot looser um, on TV. um, And so did everybody else. Everybody wants to be a hero. Well, The other TV show we want to talk about is Shark Cage, which was a show that was built around bluffing. Um, And both you and Maria played in both seasons of Shark Cage and both made the final in the second season of Shark Cage. So you both have plenty of of experience at this show. Um, In in turn, I want to get your honest answer to this. Maria, when you heard that stars had come up with a TV show where they wanted to put people in a cage, were you thinking, what are they doing? I mean, I kind of thought it was brilliant. Like just when I heard about it, like I was like, okay, this sounds cool. And I, I love it. Um, I didn't want to be sent to the cage, but I thought it was a really cool concept. Yeah. I, I mean, I think for a lot of players, Antonio just heard it's a million dollar free roll. I'm like, yep, you can do what you want to me for that. <laughs> of course. First of all, I think anything that brings some sort of fun and something new to poker is great for the game. And I actually love that show. And I'm still bitter because I had an opportunity to put Phil Ivey in the cage. Yes. And I didn't. If I just called him, he's going in the cage. Instead, I raised like a ding dong. And uh, he didn't go in the cage. So that would have been nice. Um, but that was a great, fun show. And, you know, anytime somebody puts up a million dollar free roll, kudos to them. You know, it's- we got nothing to lose and a million to win. I mean, that's pretty strong. It, it's a weird one because obviously, Joe, you just said that you had doubts about it at the start. I think we both did. and But, but as soon as it started, I realized I think we're onto something here. But when the TV shows first started airing, it received a lot of hate. It was a divisive show at best. And yet now I get more messages from people saying, when is there going to be a third season? When are you going to bring back Shark Cage than anything else? And you know, no promises, guys, but I'd love it if one day we could do another season. If we could, I don't bring understand why would there be hate about that show? For people what? That, like so, when you when you have poker on TV, there are people that can look at it for the entertainment value, right? When you have like celebrities playing poker, but then there's other people who are like, "Why isn't this high stakes? Why isn't this GTO play? Why is there this gimmick in there?" And those people are like a very vocal minority, but it's hard to ignore them because they're so vocal. So when Shark Cage had this gimmick to it. People were like pretty pissed off that just like you, you know, raised Phil because that's what you as a good poker player would do to play this version of the game is like a little bit different. And people didn't like that. Tell them to not watch it. <laughs> yeah, to believe me. <laughs> believe me. Uh, that used to I mean, be my just, stance back in the day. They're giving away a free million dollars and it's entertaining and fun. So they can just, I mean, I'd like to say something not so nice, but I'm going to refrain, but. He's, he's a different Antonio, like you said. Uh, Watch a different show. Speaking of entertaining games on TV, uh, Antonio, Laden thinks, Johnny Laden thinks is a thing that maybe, I, I hope that this is a compliment, maybe your greatest contribution uh, to the world. I agree. After having my children, I think Laden thinks is definitely the greatest. Now, I can't take full credit for it because it's. I would say it's mostly Phil Locke. However, he wouldn't have come up with it if it wasn't for me. <laughs> and us being, us being at the TV table and wanting to stay on the TV table. And if we didn't come up with new material, I felt like we were going to get the boot. So we started betting on what Johnny Laden thought. And who would have known? I still to this day play Laden Thinks all the time with my friends. It's the greatest pastime. You don't need anything. You don't need a pen. You don't need a, you know, you, you just literally don't need anything. You can just walk around and play Laden Thinks all day on the most random things. I mean, we, we do it in line at theme parks, right? We'll just be like, you know, whenever you're waiting like 45 minutes yeah. to get on Space Mountain, you're like, okay, let's play Laden Thinks for a while. Were there ever any pitches to you about making Laden Thinks yes. into a show? Numerous times. Uh, they wanted to make an app. They wanted to make a show. They wanted to make a game. All sorts of different things. And I mean, I, I really feel like the world needs this still. I agree. Wouldn't it be great to have a Laden Thinks game where there's a celebrity Laden 
that comes in and people can actually bid on what they think this person thinks, because I feel people have some sort of connection to people they know, even though they don't know them. Like you see a, let's just say Brad Pitt as a lot in, right? Hypothetically speaking, you're like, well, I kind of have an idea of what he might think. And so now you're betting on what this person thinks and that can rotate. Um, I think it would be very fascinating and interesting, but no one has made it happen. Joe, why don't you make it happen? You're Hollywood. I'll show up. Look, it's not. Look, if I have your permission to pitch you as being attached sure. to it, okay, great. Of course you do. I didn't Anyone know I was does. gonna be making a deal on the show today, but for sure, yeah, Fantastic. absolutely cool. Fantastic. Because people want, people still want this. Look, there've um, been so many great examples of it over the years, and I think one of my personal favorites is probably from the PCA. I think it was a super high roller event where Steve O'Dwyer was the brain, and the question was, how many contacts does Phil Ivy have? in his cell phone and Steve O'Dwyer's response was 35 because Steve (laughs) is a simple man and to him to have more than 20 contacts in your phone is a lot but didn't the answer end up being five no like Phil's the kind of I don't see Phil Ivey as the kind of guy that has a lot of contacts he doesn't necessarily want to talk to people so he probably doesn't have a ton, but 35 is absurd. I mean, he probably had 35 people that worked for him at the time. Yeah, so, right. You he know, 35 of his own burner phones, probably at least right? to make that up. Uh, <laughs> speaking of games, I wanted to, I, I like to do games with, uh, with our guests. I know we only have Antonio for a couple more minutes. So I came up with a game for you two, uh, Maria and Antonio called know your Antonio. And basically, I'm going to quiz each of you about your mainstream media appearances uh, outside of poker. Uh, v- multiple choice questions. You're going to alternate back and forth. First question goes to you, Maria. In the movie The Grand, Antonio played the part of poker pro to perfection. Which actor's character went on to win in the movie The Grand? Was it Woody Harrelson, Dennis Farina, Shannon Elizabeth or Dame Judy Dench? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with B. I don't Dennis remember the name. Farina did not win in the grand. It was Woody Harrelson's Jack Farrow <gasps> character Damn. that went on to win. Question number two. This one goes to you, Antonio. On which CNBC show did Maria Ho make a surprise appearance in 2019? Was it Shark Tank, Deal or No Deal, Mad Money, or Jay Leno's Naked Basement Puzzle Party? Uh, Shark Tank. Maria, you want to tell him? Uh, it was Deal or No Deal. Oh, deal or No Deal. Sorry. <laughs> you don't get to answer again when you've been told the correct answer. Nice Oops, try, Next up for you. Antonio played himself in the 2007 film Lucky You. Which poker player does not play him or herself in the movie? Oh, it's a good one. Is it Barry Greenstein, Jennifer Harmon, John Hennigan, or Doyle Brunson? Wow. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, what was the first answer? Barry Greenstein. I'm going to go with Barry Greenstein. Barry Greenstein does play himself in the movie. This one, a bit of a trick question. John Hennigan is in the movie, but does not play himself. And I can't remember the name of his character, but he plays a bit of an asshole. He he plays it very well, actually. Antonio, your next question. Question number four. Maria Ho is featured in the Netflix documentary about the life of which professional poker player? Is it Doyle Brunson? Phil Helmuth Jr., Daniel Negreanu, or Roy the Oracle Winston? There was a Netflix documentary on a poker player? There sure was. Uh, well, it's not Phil because I would have heard about it. I mean, the world would have heard about it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with what Daniel's was. I know Daniel had a documentary, but was it on Netflix? I'll go with Daniel. Maybe, because I know he had a documentary. I just he don't know if it was. did, Netflix. and it wasn't just Maria Ho featured in that documentary. You're in it as well, Antonio. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm aware of that. I just didn't know it was on Netflix. Good for Daniel. He's really doing it. 
All right, we got somebody on the board now. Maria, your turn. We're getting into deep into Antonio's IMDb now. In 2012, Antonio was in a movie called The Baytown Outlaws, starring Billy Bob Thornton and Eva Longoria, in which he... What was the name of his character in that movie? Was it Smoke, Lucky, Mailman, or Rolo Tomasi? I'm going to go with Lucky. You would think Lucky would have been Antonio's character's name, but what was it, Antonio? Who did you play? I played a mailman and delivered a bomb and blew up Billy Bob Thornton. Wow. (laughs) Okay, two questions left, two minutes left to go here. Uh, Antonio, in season 15 of The Amazing Race, Maria Ho and Tiffany Michelle finished two places behind the team of Flight Time and Big Easy. What was the profession of Flight Time and Big Easy? Were they Harlem Globetrotters, Harlem Jazz Singers, Harlem Rappers, or Harlem Vampires? Uh, Maria, I'm sorry, I never saw the show. I'm going to go with A. Harlem Globetrotters is correct. Antonio on the board. 25%. Sometimes by, 25% just comes through. By, by my calculations, Antonio has a 2-0 lead. So, Maria, you can put up one point, but you can't tie the game, unfortunately. you have. The lost. only thing I had left was a tiebreaker, but we'll do it anyway. Um, in 2014, yeah. Antonio played a small part in a film called Cat Run 2. Cat Run 1's IMDb rating is 5.2. Maria, does Cat Run 2... Come in higher or lower than 5.2. Who made that movie, right? That's a Bill Perkins movie, right? Right. Yeah. It's so rare that sequels do better, I think, in terms of ratings. So I'm just going to have to go with lower for that. That is correct. 4.4 for Cat Run 2. Maria, you end the game on the board. Congratulations, Antonio, though. You are the victor here. I think the key follow-up question to that one, the bonus question is, what is the highest rated Bill Perkins movie on IMDb? I remember one of my favorite jokes uh, that I did on the big game about him is that he had produced a movie called uh, Undeniable. And I was like, are you sure they didn't mean to call it unwatchable? (laughs) Oh, he wasn't wasn't a great movie maker. He's great at many other things, but movies were not a specialty. (laughs) We love him. We love that he tries. That's the important part. Um, Yep. Antonio, Maria, thank you both for joining us today. And uh, looking back on yesteryear looking back at the previous decade and hopefully we will get to catch up with you again both soon anytime thank you for having Thanks me maria having nice me. to see you good to see Do you too. Stranger. I'll, James. I'll, I'll, I'll be in touch all right guys have a good one Bye. Well, our guests may be gone, but we've got more fun and games here on Poker in the Ears because we do have a super fan this week. We welcome Andrew Tifilaro to the show. Hello, Andrew. Hey, James. Hey, Joe. How are you guys? Hey, buddy. Andy, I, I was pretty cocky about this American history quiz, but now I see that you're, um, are you from Philadelphia, the birthplace of America? <laughs> I am. I'm from Collegeville, which is like a suburb of Philly, um, yeah. but I'm not too good at U.S. history. Oh, well, thanks. Oh, man. Okay, wait. This might work out well, though. Wait, because you're in Pennsylvania, so you could win a real prize. But American history is actually something I'm pretty decent at. I kind of called my shot at the beginning of the show. Why don't you, uh, before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So um, my name is Andrew. I'm a senior at Princeton. Um, I'm 21 Uh, years old. You're screwed, Joe. You're screwed. If I didn't love this coffee so much, I would have just spit took all over all my baseball cards. So, <laughs> sorry, I, you no, lost no, me no, at Princeton. No, no. Hist- pick, pick, pick it back up again. Sure, sure. So, first of all, I'm not a history major. I'm a public policy major. So, I'm I know more about like politics nowadays than history, but I, I'm just I like history as like a pastime. But anyway, um, yeah. So, I'm originally from Pennsylvania. It's pretty cool because you know Pennsylvania and New Jersey both being states where poker stars is you know operates in. Yeah. Um, I turned 21 in July, so I recently started, you know, being able to play online for money. And I guess my journey with poker started with like over the pandemic, I played with my family for like no stakes at all, just like kind of learning the game for my dad. Um, and then, you know, over the course of the pandemic, started playing for like $10 with my friends. And then this last semester, I joined the Princeton Poker Club and have been playing in like 20, 40 games, 20 cent, 40 cent games, to be clear. Um, <laughs> it's been pretty fun, and I just really enjoy the game. 
That's, that's awesome. That's really cool. The Princeton Poker Club. That sounds pretty special. Um, if you are not <laughs> yeah. a history major, and if, as you claim, you don't actually know that much about US history, why have you proposed this as your specialist subject? I like it, by the way. Joe and I both like it when someone thinks out of the box and doesn't just come up with a movie from the 1980s. <laughs> Well, I did. I did suggest a really bad movie in the Discord, but um, it was not a. It was like just a random movie that I that I watched. It was like a bad movie that I thought would fit. But basically, I'm taking a course U.S. history, a course in U.S. history right now. Um, during the it's like mid 20th century, 1920 to 1974. So I was like, all right, I kind of know a little bit about this. It's something that hasn't been proposed yet, so I kind of will just pick, pick it. So remind me yeah. what the bad movie is. I specifically remember vetoing it, but I don't remember what the actual movie was. It was Grown Ups. <laughs> grown Ups, that's right. And to be clear, to be clear, anyone suggesting some shit Adam Sandler comedy where he just gives all of his mates jobs for a couple of hours, you will not get on this show. We have a bar. It's low, but there is a bar. I would um, have actually gone for Grown Ups because Norm's in it, right? And I actually haven't seen that one. It would have been nice to see Norm, but whatever. Well, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get around to it eventually. Um, so Patrick has done the research. I've absolutely no idea whether this is easy or hard i don't know the answers to many of these questions but then i've never studied or even looked into u.s history uh you know the format andrew it is 10 questions multiple choice options available but that will reduce the number of points available so please give me a number between one and ten uh three question number three in which year was the first ever one dollar bill printed oh my god uh, I'll take the options. <laughs> okay, was it in 1840, 1862, 1893, or 1920? B. 1862, correct, for a point, and wow. you are on the board. Um, I, I'll I honestly go, forgot I, what the answer was. Right, he just was like, no, he's a good test taker. That's how you get into fucking Princeton. Just you just B. know it's B or C every time. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll, I'll take it. It's the year of the seven. It's always coming seven. Let's go. 1777. Which two states have never practiced daylight savings time? I know one of them is Arizona. But I might have to take the choices because I can't think of the other one. Go for the choices. Okay, you'll get it because you've identified one already. Hawaii and Alaska, Texas and New Mexico, Arizona and Hawaii, or Alaska and Washington. I would have got that. Hawaii was my second guess. Okay, yeah, Arizona and Hawaii. There we go. So it's a tied game after the first round. Every number other than three and seven is still available. Two. Question number two. Who is the shortest serving U.S. president in history? Oh, I know this one. James Madison. Is that your final answer? Take take take, take him up on the yes. clue here. Take him up on the clue and t- go for the choices. Wait, wait. When James says, is that your final answer? It means <laughs> sure, it's not choices. your final answer and you need to go for the choices. And this will be the only help you okay, get. And this I'll, will be I'll, your one mark. I'll, I'll take the choices. Is it James A. Garfield, John F. Kennedy, okay, William Henry Harrison or John Adams? Can you, can you repeat the choices again? Garfield, Kennedy, Harrison, or Adams? Adams. Okay, now it, can I tell you this that's one? That's not a final answer. I'm not sure if it's right. It's William Henry Harrison refused to wear a coat during his inauguration speech and caught a cold and died from it like Joe? six weeks later. I thought you meant shortest president, like the shortest <laughs> in height. The shortest <laughs> serving U.S. president. No, the, the, the clue was in the question. Um... <laughs> So, Joe, the bonus passes to you. Okay. In days, how long did he serve? 100 days. No, just 31 days. 31 days. A single month. Okay, Joe, it's your question. Uh, Let's go number one, baby. USA, number one. Which state was the first to secede prior to the outbreak of the American Civil War? I'll take the choices, please. Is it South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, or Alabama? South Carolina. Correct for one point, and you do have a one-point advantage. The score is 2-1 after the second round. Andrew, 4, 5, 6, 8, 9, or 10? 
Uh, I'll do nine. Okay. There are no multiple choice options here. Ooh, you uh, got fucked with oh, number wow. nine. See, Patrick thought I was going to pick nine, and he fucks me usually, and you just got Patrick fucked. So, each correct answer is worth half a point because there are two points in total available. Name the four US presidents to have been assassinated while in office. To be clear, if you give me a name that's not on this list, it's over. So, correct answers only, or you're out. Half a point for each correct answer. The four US presidents who were assassinated while in office. Lincoln. That's one. John F. Kennedy. Yep. McKinley. That's three. And um, Harding. No, Garfield was the fourth. So mm -hmm. that's one and a half points. Thanks, Patrick, for including the scoring it. system that includes half points. So it's two and a half to Andrew, two to Joe, but Joe, it's your question. Patrick still fucked me because I would have gotten all four of those. So he still got me. Anyway, um, uh, let's go with 10. Question 10. Nice, easy question. This is the only one I think I'd know. What was the name of the English ship that transported the pilgrims to the new world? The Mayflower. Correct for two points. And your bonus question, Joe. In which year did the Mayflower sail? 1664. No, 1620. But you still have the lead going into the penultimate round? Question mark? Yes. Four, five, six, or eight, Andrew. Five. The Statue of Liberty was a gift from which country? France. To be fair, I would have known that one as well. You now have <laughs> yeah, four and a half great. points and a 0 0.5 point advantage. Joe, <laughs> four, six, or eight? Uh, eight. Question number eight. In which year were women given the right to vote? Oh, my God. It was in the 1990s, I think. <laughs> um, I'll, t I'll, take the, I'll take the choices. The options are 1890, 1900, 1910, or 1920? 1910. 1920 was the answer. So, with a half-point advantage, Andrew, you're going into the final round, and your choices are question four or question six. Hmm. I'll go with six. In what year did California become a state? I'll take the choices. 1835, 1850, 1865, or 1880? B. 1850 is correct, and you score oh, a point. What's uh. the score? What's happening? What, what do I need here? I really, I, you know, I like Andrew, but I... I kind of like the being a U.S. history, decent at it. Okay, so here's the deal. A Andrew has five and a half points, Joe. You have four yeah. points. So you need oh. to get question four without the options. All right. Who was president during the War of 1812? Can I do this without... You've got to go for it. There's no point in taking the yeah. options because you can't win that way. <clears throat> right. Okay. So, 1812, somewhere in the first 12 or so presidents, the first bunch says, Washington, Adams. Jefferson. Oh, oh, oh. Thomas Jefferson. That was one of the options, but it's not the correct answer. James Madison was president during the War of 1812. So by one and a half points, Andrew, you have won this game of Superfan versus Stapes. Uh, I assume, therefore, that you have a PokerStars Pennsylvania account. I do, and also a PokerStars New Jersey account. That's where oh, I usually am well, in school. It takes your choices, you pays your monies. We'll make sure you get a prize. We'll make sure you get a ticket and some PokerStars swag as well. Thank you for thinking out the box and picking a fun subject. Thank you for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Um, all the content you guys put out has been really amazing, and um, it really got me interested in poker, and uh, I really appreciate watching the streams and the podcasts every week. So it's been awesome. Thank you, guys. I'm just glad that um, uh, young people still 
are coming to poker. Like I'm afraid that there is no no new class, and I'm glad that there are uh, still people in college that care about us, let alone the game of poker. So, thanks, thanks <laughs> for, for sure. thanks for making this all worth it. <laughs> thanks, Sam. I appreciate it. All right, my babies, we're just about out of time for this week's show. Next week, it's Poker Stars Big Twenty number three. Yeah. Uh, now we've got some very solid maybes on some big guests on a big guest, I should say, uh, for next week that I can't quite announce yet. Uh, but it's going to be a cool guest anyway. You slice it. Uh, it's that. I mean, honestly, it's that or no one. Nuts or air. You know the drill. <laughs> <laughs> but the topic is poker's biggest stars. It's all about poker's love affair with Hollywood or, or vice versa. Yeah, you know, Joe, we have those occasions where you don't exactly fill me with confidence. This is one of those occasions. <laughs> what, what have I not come through? Actually, bad question. Bad question. <laughs> um, make sure you use the Discord to comment on the show. Get in your super fan application. You could just be like Andrew uh, and, and shellack me at something that I actually know a decent amount about. Win yourself some cool prizes, some swag at the very least. Uh, looking forward to next week's show. I got. We got to go right now because I seriously have no idea who the guest is. No, I do. Uh, <laughs> but I need to confirm that ASAP. So that is all the time we have got for this week's show. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Later.